Thank you for tuning in to Propel Church. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to our podcast, we're so glad that you chose to join us today. We believe that God has great things in store for you and hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this message. Yeah, well, hey, uh, my name is Pastor Matt Chirac, and man, I am so privileged and honored to serve uh, on the Dream Team here at Propel Church. I serve in different areas and ministries, and uh, man, I truly do feel grateful and privileged to do all of them. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Brittany, down here, and we have two incredible kids. Yeah, you can clap for that. Come on. Come on. We got two kids, and we got another on the way, so y'all pray for us. Uh, we just upgraded to a third row vehicle. I'm sure some of y'all know that. You got like 37 kids up in here every Sunday. So y'all know that. And so, uh, yeah, and so uh, we are incredibly blessed. Um, we, we love to, to spend time together in the mountains and hike. And um, man, we really, we, we love coming to church together too. Man, my kids love it here. Brittany and I love it here. So we're super grateful for that. And um, man, what I'd love to do real quick is uh, if you're new here, man, I wanna make sure that we welcome you properly. So church, would you do me a favor? Would you help me wor- welcome every person who is new here this morning? Yeah. And if you're, if you're joining us online, we want you to know we see you. Uh, we're grateful that you're with us. And man, I can just tell you this, though. If you're ever in Mount Pleasant, we would love to have you in the room because there is something about being in this room on Sunday mornings, man. It is incredibly powerful. So we would love for you to join us. And before I jump into the message that I have prepared today, uh, I would really love to honor our pastor and his incredible wife, Tori. Uh, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. They started this church almost seven years ago, and I've been with them for close to five years now. And uh, man, if you haven't had the opportunity to meet them, let me just tell you a couple things about them. And I could spend the next 35 minutes talking about how awesome they are. And I'm not just buttering them up, y'all. They really are. They're that cool. Um, man, they are sacrificial. They're encouraging. They love each and every single one of you. They pray for you. They love this community. And man, most of all, they are incredible leaders. And I'm so, so grateful to have each of you in my life. So church, I need y'all to get real loud for this. Can we thank Pastor Nick and Tori for their leadership and how much we love them? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. And I'll give y'all a little hint. If you really want to butter up the pastor, just tell the brother he got some fresh shoes on and he'll love you forever. That's, that's, that's the way that works. So this morning, man, I want to I speak to y'all on the subject of words. And man, I want to paint this picture of what I really feel like we're up against in today's world. I think that it doesn't take much for you and I to see that we live in a world, a polarizing world. And what that means is it's divisive, that there's all of these opinions. And the beautiful thing about opinions is everybody got one and everybody thinks theirs is right, right? And we especially see that on social media. You log into Facebook or Instagram, man, I can't get on there without seeing people arguing. And man, especially Christians, we really guilty of this on their arguing our opinions and throwing stakes in the ground. And it's kind of discouraging and disheartening, or maybe you're somebody who keeps up with the news and the tabloids. So you're watching whatever news channel you watch, or you're on whatever news app. And it seems like there's just an awful lot of bad news out there, or maybe you're out and among the community and you're going to the grocery store, you're going to get your hair cut and you hear and over here, all of these arguments and all of these political debates and opinions. And man, I really feel like that's currently the season that we're in. And I've got some statistics for you on that. And that's that 20% of adults and 10% of kids have anxiety. So that's two out of every 10 adults and one out of every 10 kids. 
approximately 280 million people suffer from depression. 25% of Americans say they are unhappy. So if you look around you right now, one out of every four people that you see will look at you and tell you that they are unhappy in life. And this is an alarming stat in itself. 50% of marriages end in divorce. 47 million people quit their jobs last year. And I would say to each of us in here this morning that there's no denying the massive impact that COVID has had on our society. Yeah. However, however, I feel like we have been trending in the wrong direction for a while. Yeah. But I came to deliver you some good news this morning. Y'all excited for some good news? And the good news is that words are filled with power. Words are filled with power. And so just like this morning when I came out here, I started you off with looking at your neighbor and telling them, hey, I'm glad that you're at church this morning. That was strategic. I got you. I did it on purpose. Because our words are filled with power. And man, I would love to, to just speak into this. I'm not here to discount any mental health issues. And I ain't no doctor, ain't got no PhD, player hated degree, right? Come on. Come on, y'all can laugh this morning. Come on. And so I ain't got no PhD. I'm not here to tell you that there's, that I believe in doctors. I believe in modern science. We believe in doctors and modern science. And so I uh, believe in all those things. But what I do know and what we see in scripture is that words are filled with power. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter one, verse three. And before I read the verse that you'll see up on the screen, man, I just want to give us a little bit of backstory. So as soon as you open your Bibles, the first book that you'll see is Genesis. This is the very beginning of time and its existence as we know it. And what we see here is that the earth was formless, that it was empty, it was void, that there was darkness over the surface of the deep is what the Bible says. Well, then we get to verse three in chapter one and it says, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So God said, so what we see is that God spoke and then light happened. And when God speaks, we see creation. When God speaks, we see light. So we see that there's power in words right from the beginning of time. And just a little sidebar here, God said, let there be light. God didn't say, let there be a lamp. God didn't say, let there be electricity. God didn't say, let there be a lampshade. He said, let there be light. So God speaks words of power, but he also speaks in solutions. God spoke and it appeared. So if you're in here this morning and you're feeling discouraged and you're feeling unqualified, can I just tell you, you're not the only one, but can I let you know this, that God's timing is perfect. So we don't have to worry about when he's gonna show up because when God speaks, the solution is on the way. The solution is coming. So God says, let there be light and there was light. And we see that God speaks and he creates and you go through this creation account, the next couple of verses and we see that God would create the waters and he would split the waters and he would make the sky and he would make land and he created the fish. And I don't know if y'all know me or not that well, but I love the fly fish. So thank God he created brown trout. Come on, <laughs> y'all can celebrate that. And so God created the fish and he created the animals. And then we get to verse 27 and it says that, God has created man. This is what it says. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I got this highlighted on the screen for us because it says human beings in his own image. There's other places in scripture where we see that we're created in God's likeness. 
So if words are filled with power and when God speaks, he speaks life and he speaks encouragement and things are created and new life happens. And if we're created as human beings in his own image and in his likeness, that must mean the things that you and I speak are also powerful. Now this morning, I'm not here to debate the theology, whether we speak things into existence or not, but here's what I know. Scripture is clear. Our words have power. Words are filled with power. If we flip forward a couple more verses, we'll see that uh, we get into Genesis chapter three, where we have seen now that God has created Adam and Eve, and he has said, and it was good, and God has created this beautiful garden the Garden of Eden, and he's got all of these flowers and he's given man and woman headship over all of this. And as they're wandering through the garden, there's these trees. And God says about this one tree, not to eat this tree. And we call that the forbidden fruit. You may have heard of this tree before. It's called the tree of knowledge of life and good and evil. And so here we are in the garden and Satan appears. This is where sin is getting ready to enter into the world. It's, Satan says this to Eve, did God really say, you can't eat from any tree in the garden. Now, what's interesting about this is this isn't actually what God said. God said not to eat from one particular tree, not from any tree, but the enemy comes onto the scene, Satan, which the Bible tells us he's, he's crafty, that he's clever, more clever than any other animal or any other thing that God has created. And he speaks, did God really say this? And Eve would go on to, question what God had said and believe him. Ultimately, she would end up eating from the tree and the forbidden fruit, and then she would give it to Adam and Adam would eat it as well. And now we see that sin has entered the world because we've disobeyed God. And what I find extremely interesting about this passage is that even though Satan spoke a lie, the words were still powerful. The words were still powerful. And when Satan speaks, now we see we have an enemy and he's clever. And when he speaks, he speaks lies. He speaks death. He speaks discouragement. And so we see here right from the very beginning of time that our words are so powerful and that God uses words to bring about life and light. And God uses words to build up and create. And he speaks into the darkness and words are this tool that God uses. And we also see that Satan uses words to combat what God has said. So from the very beginning of time, it's ingrained and hardwired into the universe that words have power. This is what Proverbs 18.21 says. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So that means that we can speak things of life like God does. We can speak encouragement. We can speak Uh, we can speak into things and and be life-giving, or we can speak death into a situation because what's being written here is that there's power in this tongue and everything that we speak is either building one kingdom or the other. And so our words can heal, they can build up, they can encourage, or they can tear down and they can discourage. And man, I think that us understanding, having a firm grasp this morning that words are powerful is so very important and that everything we speak can either build the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of life, which is the kingdom of heaven, which is what God wants us to do, or the kingdom of death. And that's hell. That's where Satan rules over. And so I have this story I want to share with you guys this morning about a personal experience I have 
uh, I remember being a kid and, and I grew up playing, playing t-ball and coach pitch and baseball. And my dad's favorite game was, it still is to this day, is, is baseball. And so I grew up on the ball fields and man, I always, always wanted to play well. I'm, I'm very competitive. Uh, I don't like to lose in anything. In fact, uh, I hate losing more than I love winning. So I always wanted to be the best and I would strive and I would stride. And with this pressure that I put on myself, and it's not just baseball, unfortunately. I do it in every area of my life. Uh, I, I come up to these positions and these moments of life, and sometimes I feel nervous and I feel anxious about them. But one thing that I always had on my side was my dad and my grandfather. And so my grandfather, you're going to hear me talk about him twice this morning. He, uh, very loud individual. Like he sat behind the backstop, but brother could have sat 10 fields over and you could have heard him. He's... <laughs> straight from New York City. Brother worked in the tugboat yards and he was not politically correct, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and so he would sit behind the backstop and uh, I'm not encouraging this parents, but he would talk trash to the other team for me. <laughs> he would start speak, he would speak death. He would speak things to the other, hey, pitcher, your arm's like a wet noodle. And he would say things like that to him. I mean, and I'm like, I'm like Pop Murph. These guys are like seven years old, you know? And so... <laughs> And so he would, he would speak these things. But then when I got up to the plate, he wanted everybody to know I'm about to jack a dinger here. I'm about to hit a home run. And so he would say, hey, hey, come on ones. What do you say up there? Come on, bucko. We say buckwheat, you got this. And he would speak this encouragement and this life into me. And he would encourage me in a moment where I really needed it. Now, like I said, as I said earlier, I'm not here to debate whether or not we speak things into existence or not. But here's what I know. James chapter three, verse five tells us that the, with, the, with the tongue is boastful and it's powerful. He says that the, the tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth that it determines the direction of a large animal. He also says that the tongue is like a rudder on a ship that helps the captain determine the direction of the ship. So here I am in this pivotal moment and things could be speaking over me that are deathly and it could have me come to this kingdom and this side yeah. or Somebody can speak life like my grandfather did and it would put me in this life-giving position. Yes. So our tongue does determine the direction that we go. Therefore, we can speak powerful things and in direction into people's lives. And so death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so my question for us this morning is, well, do you use your tongue for good or evil? Do you speak good things or do you speak evil things? Do you speak life over people or do you speak death over people? And if everything we speak either builds one kingdom or the other, which kingdom do we believe that God wants us to build? Yeah. And so from the beginning of times, God's words are powerful. He's created in his likeness. In, in his likeness. If I could talk this morning, I'm, a, I'm excited about God's word this morning, y'all. Come on. And so from the very beginning of time, we see that God creates us in his likeness. And that means God wants us to partner with him. That God wants this partnership where his people come alongside him, that his creation, his sons and daughters will help build the kingdom of life, will help speak life and not death into every circumstance that we see. So the next point I have for you this morning is to speak words of life. Church, I hope we'll embrace this morning. What a single word of encouragement what one single word of encouragement, the massive mountains that God can move with that. If I'm completely and totally transparent and honest with you guys, I'm not perfect. And neither is my wife. I'm just kidding. She's perfect. She's perfect. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. She's perfect. 
we, Brittany and I, she said, who said that? <laughs> Brittany and I are not perfect. We're not. And we experience trials and tribulations just like anybody else. And so we hit a road bump. We're going to call it a speed bump in our marriage recently. And uh, we had the opportunity and privilege to sit down with Pastor Nick and Tori. And so we, we went and we sat down to him. And when we entered the room, I just felt like the air had been blown, like just sucked out of my sails. Yeah. I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed. And man, can I just tell you that that's the enemy? That's the enemy speaking discouragement over you. And I know that, that Brittany felt the same way. And fortunately, uh, we have a great pastor and uh, Pastor Nick and Tori began to speak life and encouragement into our situation. And so uh, he, he began to tell us things like, hey, hey, Brittany, you're a great mom. Hey, hey, Matt, you're a great husband. Brittany, you're a great wife. And he was speaking this encouragement. And after a couple of Pastor Nick and Tori jokes and some laughter, which is just great medicine, we began to feel the wind blow back into our sails and life was spoken back into us. And it was so important in that moment with all of the things surrounding us, that we had people in our lives that would speak words of life, that would speak into our situation and not call it out for what it was. We didn't walk in the room and they didn't say, mm, you guys are really messing this marriage thing up. <laughs> they didn't say that. They didn't say, hey, uh, Pastor Matt, you, uh, you're not doing a good job being a husband. They didn't say, hey, you guys are, are really terrible at this. They didn't say anything like that, which in that moment, it may have felt like that. The things they know may have painted that picture, but they began to speak words of life and encourage not just what they wanted to see, but what God wants to see. So they spoke this over us. They didn't look upon us and become critical, but they looked upon us as an opportunity to speak life into a situation, speak life into a dead situation that needed it spoken into it. And man, those words were so life-changing and so powerful. Church, we have no idea what God can do with a single word of encouragement. It changed, it changed our whole week, our whole entire week. I wanna plug gossip into this portion of the message too, man. I, gossip is something I really feel like that plagues us it's, it's death. It's very deathly, man. It brings about this division amongst our teams and our families. And man, the thing about gossip is it doesn't just hurt the person that you're talking about. It hurts the person that's saying it. It hurts the person that's listening. And here's how that happens. Everything that I speak labels somebody. So if I were to look at somebody and tell them, hey, you're not smart. Imagine if that it carried that label around for the rest of them. Hey, they're not smart. Well, let's imagine this in a different frame of mind. Imagine that I'm in a conversation with somebody and I'm talking to person B and person C is not even around. As I begin to speak about person C, I say things like that. So now this person that I'm speaking to is now thinking about those things. They're beginning to picture and envision this person as the things that I've spoken, which isn't good unless we're speaking honorably and encouraging and life-giving about somebody. We say it around here all the time, what is gossip? Gossip is if you talk about me without me, unless you're talking about how good looking I am. Come on, somebody. <laughs> My wife said, watch it. <laughs> so, so gossip can be this very deathly thing. And as Paul said, the, the bit in the horse's mouth and the rudder on the ship, it also determines the direction for the person who's speaking and gossip. The person who is gossiping about somebody is, is really determining the direction that they're gonna feel about that individual when they, what they could do is speak words of life and encourage what they want to see. So we speak words of life and we encourage what we want to see. I have one more story on this. Uh, 
Britt and I, Britt works from, from home. She has an incredible opportunity to do that. And uh, sometimes I come home and she's had a long day. And the other day I came home and, and Britt wasn't, wasn't having the best of day and I did not handle it the right way. <laughs> Y'all, I made a mistake. I walked in and I was like, hey, why, why do you always look so upset? And y'all know that therefore she was upset, right? She, she literally gave me what I said. So how can I be upset that she's upset when I've already said that she was upset? That doesn't make any sense. But what I could have done, and instead of speaking what I saw, I could have encouraged what God wanted to see and what I wanted to see. I could have walked in and be like, hey, baby girl, every day I love to come home and see that smile. Boom, there it is, smile. <laughs> and, and that's how it works. That's how it works. If you ask me, that's speaking something into existence. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not here to argue about that. So when we speak and we partner with God, we speak these words of faith and we partner in building his kingdom. And when we don't speak words of life, when we speak words of death, we're actually, we're, we're speaking words of unbelief. And unbelief isn't the absence of belief. Oh, no, no, no. Unbelief is just placing our belief in the wrong thing. Right. So who are we partnering with? Are we partnering with God? Or are we partnering with the enemy? Are we speaking life or are we speaking death? I love what this scripture in James chapter three, verses nine through 10 says. It says, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, those, these things should not be this way. So we bless our Lord and Father. That's what, that's what our mouths were actually created for, was to glorify and to honor God. Yeah. We bless by releasing blessing, by speaking words of life, by speaking encouragement into people's situations. So what is the cursing? Well, some of y'all are all too familiar with cursing, right? But cursing, biblically speaking, that's not what the Bible's speaking about right here. Cursing is when you speak anything over somebody else that God didn't create them to be. So when we speak something about somebody, that somebody is a son or a daughter of God whether they are a Republican or a Democrat. Y'all hearing me right now? It doesn't matter what political party they are. They are created in his image and his likeness. And James is saying to us right here, hey, blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth, but it shouldn't be this way. It's like, all right, James, that's cool. So words are filled with power. We should speak life. You're telling me that blessing and cursing shouldn't come out of the same mouth. Well, how in the world do I do that? Well, that's a great question. And I believe that I've got the answer for you. The reason that blessings and cursing come out of the same mouth is because our words flow from the heart. So it's actually a heart issue. It's like a check engine light. When you say something and it comes out of your mouth and you're like, nope, that shouldn't happen. Where did that come from? It's because there was something on your heart. One of my favorite, favorite teachings that Pastor Nick has done in the past is he does this illustration where he's talking about heart posture and what's, what's inside of us, what comes out when we get squeezed is what he says. And he literally takes a, a lime or a lemon or an orange or I don't know, it's obviously not an apple. You probably couldn't squeeze an apple. You're not, I don't, <laughs> and, so, and he squeezes it and, and you get to the picture and you're like, oh yeah. So when I get squeezed, that's what comes out of me. So blessing and curse, it's easy to speak blessing over somebody when things are going well. It's easy to speak life over something when you're doing well, when everything in your life is going great and honky-dory. But what about when we're not doing well? Yeah. That's when we get squeezed. And that's when we figure out what's actually on our heart. Here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter six, verse 45. He says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's actually the overflow of what's inside of us. It's the overflow of what is on our heart that causes us 
to speak. It's the abundance of something. This is really easy check engine light for us. Like when you're driving your car down the road and some of you probably ignore this a little bit too much, but if your check engine light comes on, that's because there's something going on with the vehicle. As you reflect and think about the words that you say over people, the words you speak in your relationship, that's a great opportunity to check your heart posture and see what's actually in abundance inside of you. Is it the kingdom of life? Is it heaven? Are they heavenly things or is it deathly? And that's for us to evaluate. That's our check engine light. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I love this scripture right here. The text says in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18 through 20. It says, imprint these words of mine on your hearts and mine. So what's happening right here is that God is speaking to his people and he's saying, hey, I want you to imprint them. I want you to put them on your hearts and on your minds. He's speaking about his word. He's speaking about the Bible. And this is what scripture tells us. I'm gonna go off on a little bit of rabbit hole here is that scripture says in John 3, 16, that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, right? Well, in John chapter one, we see that the word was with God, that he was always there. And that the word was, everything was created through the word and from the word. And then the word became flesh. So what's the word? The word is the words God spoke in the Old Testament. Everything that the prophets of the Old Testament gives us, every word of the Bible, scripture tells us is breathed and inspired by God for the rebuking and teaching. So his word is the Old Testament. It's the New Testament. It's everything that Jesus speaks and does is the word of God. It's everything in our entire Bible. So these words imprint them of mine, my word on your hearts and mine. Bind them as a sign on your hands. So carry it with us everywhere we go. Some of us have iPhones, which y'all are the real people. That's what you should have is an iPhone. And some of us have Androids, but almost everybody I meet has a phone. <laughs> everybody, everybody I meet has a phone. We have an incredible opportunity to download a Bible app or a version app. So we, we have more access today to God's word than any generation ever has before. Right. Yet we see the statistics that I talked about at the very beginning of this message. And why is that? And this is why, because God wants us to imprint these words on our hearts and our minds. He wants them to carry them with us everywhere on our hands. Let them be a symbol on your foreheads. Come on, go get you a Jesus tat on your forehead. So when you wake up in the morning, you see it in the mirror. You see, hey, I'm reminded of God. I'm reminded of God. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road. And something that Brittany and I do is we'll sit down with the kids and we'll unpack one verse of scripture. I had the opportunity to do this with my daughter, Erin, the other day. And I was like, hey, John 3, 16, told her this verse. And, and it's two questions. It's really, we make it more common. Two questions. Hey, how does this change how you view God? And how does this change your life? How are you gonna apply this? That's what God wants us to do. He wants to talk about it everywhere so we can figure out how it's gonna change our life and how it's gonna change our view of him. He says, walking along the road. Now I'm not saying that we should go to 73 in Maine and scream from the, the corner like weird people do with signs and hey, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. We shouldn't, I'm not saying we should do all that. But however, if you're engaging with somebody at a coffee house and you're talking to him and you feel the spirit lead you to share his promises and his truth, we should do that. There's an old adage that says that the teacher becomes the learner. And what that means is that when you speak and teach something, you actually learn it and store it up in your heart. 
It says, write them on your doorposts and, uh, and of your house and on your city gates, everywhere. I like to go to Harbor Freight. My wife likes to go to Hobby Lobby. Why does Brittany like Hobby Lobby? Because everything in there is so cute, right? <laughs> because it's a kingdom organization. So I don't know if you've ever noticed or not, but when you go into Hobby Lobby, there's a whole lot of Jesus in there. And they have all these signs and all these things that remind you of Jesus, that remind you of the word. If you walk into my house, the first thing you see when you walk into the house is just give me Jesus. It's everywhere. We put it everywhere. We put symbols up. We've got mason jars full of tickets and tabs where we've written what God has done miraculously in our life and we put them in there. We have reminders all over our house, on our doorposts, on our walls. I can't get up in the morning without seeing it. It says, in the morning, just give me Jesus. I go and get a cup of coffee, coffee and Jesus. It's everywhere. We can't, we can't forget about it. We can't forget about the word of God. Why? Why, what this scripture is telling us is that we have to store it up in our heart, that God's word will change us from the inside out. This isn't behavior modification. It's not from the outside in. This is true heart transformation. And it's something only Jesus and the word of God can do. So we cram it in. When I was a kid, my grandfather used to take me to New York City all the time. We would go see the Yankees play at the old Yankee stadium, the house that Ruth built. 26 championships in case you're wondering. And he lived in Queens Broad Channel, which is an old Irish Italian neighborhood. And we would get on the light rail and we would head into the city. And from there we would jump on the subway and we would get on the subway and we would get to the Bronx where Yankee Stadium is. And sure enough, after every single game, the subway is packed. People were screaming and yelling, probably because the Yankees won. Come on, somebody. Screaming and yelling. And I'm looking at these trains and they're completely slammed full. And there's people waiting to get into this train. And my grandfather's got my hand and he's a real New Yorker. So he's not gonna wait or say, excuse me, he's gonna get to where he needs to get. And I would be like, man, there's no way we're getting home from this game. And it just dawned on me the other day, I was thinking about it, these train doors would open and it was almost like, like a cartoon, like the size of the sub would shrink as people tried to exit it. And all these people that are trying to get in they can't get in because everybody who's inside is trying to get out. So what happens church? When we store up God's word, when we cram it so deep in our heart, then when we open our mouths, the only thing that can come out is the kingdom of heaven and speaking life. And that is what God wants to partner with us on. God wants us to know that our words are powerful, that we should speak life. And then when we store up his word, that the overflow, the abundance of our heart will be his truth and his promises. So for some of us in here today, I believe that your next step is to start a new Bible plan. Start reading your Bible for five minutes. How do you eat an elephant? You don't eat it at the whole time, you take it piece by piece. So start small, do something realistic, start a discipline, start a habit, get in a version Bible app plan, start reading your Bible before work, during, or during work, during lunch, after work, when you get home, before you go to bed, remember the scripture says, at night when you lay down and in the morning when you get up. So start frequently opening God's word, store it up, talk to people about it, join a propel group, go to discover. Happens right down today, right after this experience. Find out how God has uniquely wired you, uncover those gifts, learn more about what God's word has to say specifically about you and every opportunity. Take that next step. For some of us in here today, our next step is the first step. And scripture's clear that hearts can be hardened. But the good news of Jesus is that 
He went and he died at that cross on Calvary. But he didn't stay there because three days later, he was risen from the grave and he defeated sin, death, and Satan. And with it, he sets us free. And so we have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to surrender our lives to him, to give him everything. And with that, our heart posture changes because one encounter with Jesus changes everything. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today, if you wanna say, yes, Jesus, I give you my life. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Would you just boldly raise your hand? If you're online, you should see the opportunity to say, hey, that's me. Now church, we don't pray alone, we pray together. So would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, will you stand to your feet and help me celebrate those who just made decisions for Jesus? Come on. Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's message at Propel Church. We pray that God spoke to you powerfully. And if you made any kind of decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or recommit your life to Jesus, or maybe you just wanna share something that God spoke to you through today's message, do us a favor and send us an email to amen at propel.church. And if God is using this ministry to impact your life and you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so over at propel.church slash give. We pray God's blessing and favor over your life and believe that the best days have yet to come.